1: music theater and the visual arts this is the working artist project
2: good evening ladies and gentlemen welcome to the working artist project darian how you doing tonight yo
0: gregory ajid i'm happy man it's good to be back you know where i'm at bro where i'm you? in quarantine bro are you in I don't quarantine know you do that.
2: <laughs> have you been doing yeah, been t- anything else for the last year and a half
0: like <laughs> <laughs> man i was i was jet setting around this weekend and uh, you know, I got a little baby, so I'm just waiting on my my uh, PCR test before I can interact with my family. So I'm I'm stuck in my room practicing drums and stuff. But other than that, man, I'm doing great, man.
2: That's awesome. What's man. up with
0: you, man? What's up with you?
2: You know, after after like 50 episodes together, I realized I don't have to introduce you when we when we start talking. <laughs> <laughs> now, everybody knows me, man. After everybody knows me. After all these episodes, I've always like, man, how do I introduce Darren? It's like, wait, he doesn't need an introduction. He's Darren Douglas. Come on. Yeah, bro. I'm
0: the only one, babe.
2: But look, speaking of introductions,
0: man, let's get right to it. We got a special guest today, the one and only Darren Hoffman. And uh, he is, he. I don't even, I guess he's a mogul, man. Honestly, you know, Greg, he, he's a musician. He He builds apps. He teaches at the University of Miami. And we're gonna get into all of Oh, he teaches at
2: FSU. FSU. Hold on, oh, I, FSU. I believe that's oh, how, that's sorry, how sorry. you that's how you get in trouble with Florida. <laughs> Look, man,
0: Florida. I, I'm pretty never mind. I'm not even gonna get on Florida. But yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's, he's a
2: little bit of everything. But you know what? He may be one of the one cat that, that figured out how to make a million dollars playing jazz. <laughs> hey, hey,
0: yeah, bro. So uh, without
2: further ado, let's welcome the
0: all, one and only Darren Hoffman to the Working Artist Project. What's up, Darren? Like my my claps in the box, bro.
1: You you those were not real people?
0: Nah, man. Believe it or not, bro. Believe it or not, they're not real. Man,
2: everybody.
1: But all that. my thousands of fans were showing up.
2: <laughs> those are, those are everyone's collective Instagram fans clapping at the same time.
1: <laughs> all
0: three hundred of them, man. But
2: yeah, Darren man. Can I, can
1: I just go put on the record? I I absolutely have a net worth so far below one million dollars that. <laughs> <laughs> I just need everybody on the internet to know that.
0: Oh, you okay? Hey, don't let don't let Darren uh, lie to y'all, bro. He's he's a billionaire. We all know it. So, but let let that just be what it is, man. Don't don't uh don't don't crap on your own blessings, Darren. How about that?
1: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, I can even start with that.
2: I feel like Look, I, man. I feel, well, hello. We 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 were talking for a second beforehand, and and I gotta let you know my joke, man. So uh so man, oh, what's God. the difference between rock and jazz?
0: What's the difference?
2: Man, uh, jazz, you play uh, a million chords for five people. And then in, in rock, you play five chords for a million people. Ah, I need to, on, yeah. I need to, I need to <laughs> cue that up for next time you tell one of your jokes. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> oh, man. So Darren, man, let's get to it, man. I, 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 d- I want to talk to you about music first. And then I think we're going to transition to all the stuff, you, other cool stuff that you're doing. And I want to start with Uncle Neff because you play in a band or you co-lead a band with one of my favorite drummers, the one of the greatest drummers to ever live, the most grooving. And so that got to say something about you. You play with Mr. Shannon Powell and Uncle Neff. And uh, I want to hear about the the inception of that group and, and what y'all are up to now. All right. So Shannon,
1: the King of Treme, Shannon Powell, uh, Powell by the Owl, um, he... He was my teacher on the drums when I was studying drums at at UNO, and outside of school, I would go and hang with Shannon at Donna's Bar and Grill, and I'd sit, you know, three and a half feet from him, you know, just study you know, recording in my mind, you know, whatever I could do, and then um, after I was done with school, I was I was living at Topsy's uh, Topsy Chapman's place. She has like a little efficiency on the side of her house that I I rented for a while. And, um, you know, I spent my teenage years playing the guitar, but then when I got bit by the jazz bug, it was like drums for, you know, from that point forward. So by the time we got to this moment, I want to say in 08 or 09, um, I had basically forgotten that I ever played the guitar, but I had one of my teenage guitars in my house and i had my amp and like you know i could you know so one day shannon was over and i just like happened to just break out the guitar just for fun and we played some blues for like six minutes and he's like man we got to record <laughs> and i was like i was like yeah bro okay sure right he's like he because like man
0: that shit sounds good man i was
1: all right so i was like all right so then fast forward Eight years later, or whatever, 2017, I come down to New Orleans for um, the memorial and second line for Mr. Charlie Sims from Donna's Bar and Grill, and um, I had just gotten back to playing guitar full time, and because I was writing an opera and I needed a noted instrument f- to write this opera, so I was like pulling out the guitar more and more. I was like, you know what? Let me go hard on guitar for a little bit, and I wanted to, I wanted to start actually i think i was going to start my own solo project and i was like let me get shannon on a few tracks so i've always been a fan of the guitar drum duo thing i always found myself in when i did play guitar as a teenager and like early 20s i was like you know always doing guitar drum duo stuff so i love the white stripes and other things like that so um, basically i was like shannon it's just you and me in the sh- in the studio do just four songs I, I'll I'll have it ready. We'll just play some blueses and like just have some fun with it, right? Um, I think we lost you, Darian. Did, did we? Did we lose them? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> so um, basically, uh, so we went into stu- we went over to word of mouth, and we had Kyle Roussel come in for like one or two tracks, but basically we just played three like standard blueses. And one original, and we created. It, and he was like, "Man, this we got to make this a project. Like, you know, we got to do this for real." So we started. So we called it Uncle Nephew originally, and uh, we just we shortened it like kind of like Puff Daddy became P Diddy. We we uh, we became Uncle Neff. So, um, but basically, yeah, you know, we sometimes he's the uncle and I'm the nephew, and sometimes it's the other way around. Most of the time, <laughs> but um, but he's a, he's a, see see he would love that. So um, basically um, but yeah. So that that's that's what we do. So then we recorded we 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 showed that to Ropadope Dope. They loved it. They brought us on. We did a full length record. We went to London and Switzerland uh, in 2018, I think or 2019, something like that. And then um, and then the COVID happened. So but we put out, we put our full length record in 2019 and has all kinds of great musicians, both from New Orleans and New York. And it's been fun. So Shannon Powell, King of Trim So that's the, like, you know, like, I don't think he, you know, we talked about how, like, he's never done that kind of project with somebody where like, he was like, he partnered with somebody. So like, that was, it was a lot of fun.
2: That's killing I And mean, I heard you drop Donna's in there. So that means that you're like, of, uh, the, the real new Orleans generation. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I, I, I moved to New Orleans right, right after the storm. I was actually visiting New Orleans um, right as the storm was approaching. I got to New Orleans August 25th or something like that. Basically, the, the, the Thursday before the Sunday of Katrina. And I was visiting my friend living in Lafitte, who, who was living at Lafitte Village in, at UNO because he just become a, a student graduate student at UNO. And I was just like, okay, I'm coming, I'm coming to study music formally in New Orleans. Let me check this place out. I was living in Tallahassee, but I was doing my undergraduate in film school. And then I was like getting ready to study music in New Orleans. And uh, woke up Saturday morning and we saw the track had shifted from Tallahassee to New Orleans. And I was like, I knocked on my friend's door. I was like, yo, it's time for us to go. And so, but then I moved, I moved to New Orleans about a year later. And um, immediately enrolled in UNO, and uh, and then got a lot a lot of the education at Donna's Bar and Grill. Uh, I played my I was those were my first gigs as a leader. You know, it's, it was the gym. So, yeah. See,
0: uh, see, see, cast don't really know Greg. You know, that's 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 where I learned that I I couldn't really play. That's the edge edge edum,
2: <laughs> right there, man.
0: <laughs> got that man. so wait,
2: it's a dare. So like you know, man. This, New Orleans is when I talk about New Orleans, to cats from out of town, you know, I feel like there's a couple of treasures of this city. Uh, you know, you got the food, you got the music, but you know, I would consider Shannon Powell to be one of the treasures of this city. And I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about Shannon's musicianship and what makes him such a great, uh, musician to play with. Um, somebody,
1: uh, one of my other teachers, he said, playing with Shannon's like driving a Cadillac. You know, it's like you know that the groove will be provided, and not only that. Like if you aren't providing it just as equally as him, you will know that you are not providing the groove just as equally as the king of Treme. right? It's just immediately like, okay, I am not grooving because I I'm fucking up, and and he and he will let you know if you can't tell, right? But he'll do it with a big smile on his on his uh, on his face. So with that said, um, you know, Marcus Roberts called him a groove machine, right? So like it's it's now that comes from not just learning how to, you know, learning how to play, it comes from his personality. So like, you know, um he has a goal, he has a mission in mind when he sits behind the drum to provide a service of music, right? And that's like that's like, like there's a sacredness to what the the audience is going to experience, right? So, you know, he, uh, he can be like fun. He can ham it up a lot, and this and that. And I could be kind of like kind of quiet on stage, and like, you know, I'll, I'll throw out some dry jokes, you know, about our, our our dynamic. But he's, you know, I mean, people are there to see Shannon Powell for the most part, right? So, um, but uh, what we both kind of like, I think, always agree upon. Is that whether or not it's fun or it's rock and roll or it's blues or it's jazz or whatever, it's got to have like it's got to be so grooving that that everybody in the room is feeling it, right? And not heady. That it's as he would always quote um, Danny Barker, right? So. Danny Barker being like the the kind of the godfather of the the revival of traditional jazz that taught um, Shannon and Harlan and and everybody else right, um, but we always talk about how we don't want to play things that are too hip, right? In other words, we want to keep it hip and like you know, but you don't want to be too hip because two hips make an ass, right? So if you get all hot like heady or like like feathery and you're not you don't have the the nuts and guts right then like you might you're getting kind of too you know so in that sense we want to make sure that these that that it has more of a feeling than like a, a thought process and that's kind of where we we intersect with uncle Neff, because we can play one four five all day but like when you have that that power that that shannon brings you know it's it's worth doing it <laughs> you know?
0: Absolutely, bro. And uh, we're we gonna get to some of that music here in a second, man. But before we do, I, I wanna switch gears over to your your guava records. Because I thought I think it's really unique what you were doing with guava, and I'm assuming you're still that, that the light in the background is making me think about it, because everything you did, your your whole vibe was purple and you had people singing, doing all kinds of things with video and music and combining the two mediums, kinda before anybody else, in my in my opinion. Can can we go there and kind of talk about your your, the idea and and the business, like how you put music and business together to create that product?
1: Yeah. So uh, thank you. Yeah. So certainly, uh, I wasn't doing this before anybody else. So, but so I and I'll say that specifically because I worked with a cinematographer named James Laxton who ended up he he um he went to school at FSU. was a couple years ahead of my ahead of me, and then he actually shot. Moonlight and Underground Railroad and, you know, all those things. So James Laxon came and he worked on a project I was doing in New Orleans and he was over at my place and he was showing me this thing on YouTube. So this is like 2008, right? So YouTube is maybe two or three years old, right? So he showed me this video of uh, like an indie band playing maybe somewhere in Germany or something like that or in London in like a little apartment and it was just handheld dv camera just like one shot like an, of an intimate concert right and that was at the beginning of blog so if you look up blog it's like this it was you know live live performance sh- sh- uh, woners as they say no editing you know just like a kind of a um just a, basically a an intimate one shot recording of music right um and So I was like, "All right, cool. That's interesting," and I I I enjoyed the thought because I liked I like no smoke and mirrors. I like just like here's the recording, here's the performance. This is a real person making music. There's nothing. They're not hiding behind anything, right? So then then I you know I went and I I created this startup company for music education and and I I started making things that involved up to thirty cameras you know all at once around the Jazz Lincoln Center Orchestra and. I was, you know, just adding more and more sources and cameras and everything else. And then when I left that, that company, um, I, I wanted to start all over. I, I was, I was in a place where I was actually focused more on the music recording process. And I wanted to cre- create, like my own little independent label or boutique label as, as a, you know, I think it's more safer just to call it a boutique label, but, um, I wanted you to do it economically and I needed to make it sustainable. And I wanted to have like, just like a no smoke and mirrors sort of concept. So I had this little space. I had like half of a 550 square foot space in Greenpoint. Uh, We had like basically no floor. It just had this like concrete, you know, half plywood floor. Hey man, I was there, man. It um, wasn't that bad. uh, I can't hear you, bro. What was that?
0: I said I was there. It wasn't that bad. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, well, you came when we actually had the floor put in, once we oh, was actually Guava, okay. right? So we when when I got back to New York, because my company was based in New Orleans, I got back as soon as I split from them. And then uh, this is in 2016, early 2016. And I had this office that we were, we were using it as an office slash studio for this company. And I was like, and it, one of the great things about it is you can make noise there. You know, it was like an industrial space. It was meant for rehearse, mostly rehearsal units, but you you had made like an ad hoc, uh, recording space and just kind of cross your fingers. Some band's not going to light up their Marshall full stack like right at right when you hit record on your like little indie like acoustic ukulele, uh, recording, right? So like the idea being, it was not an ideal space, but it's in Brooklyn. This this was huge. This was like a massive space in Brooklyn. Um you know, in 2016 for the rent, especially. Right. So, you know, no heat in the hallway, no heat in the bathroom. It was, it was, a, it was a mess, but what we did is, all right, you know what, let's put a two year lease on this place. We'll rent out, we'll rent out time at, at, at night when, you know, the afterwork crowd is coming in and they're playing, you know, they loud band, rock bands just for fun and getting drunk or whatever. So like, but we'll record during the daytime. Right. So, okay. So now I know I have about eight hours of time when most of the time, the the, the building's kind of quiet, right? So, um, and I have a room, I have an interface, I have an SM7, not this one, but I have an SM7. Um, we I, mean, I partnered up with Parker McAllister, we brought in a, a baby grand piano, we so we had a great piano, and um, I was like, okay, what could be sustainable? How can I make records? How could be a, a, a le- record label? where I'm not just releasing things like you All right, you know, Greg and Darian go and make a record and you do all the work and you give it to me, I'll take a cut and call it, call it a label. I didn't want to do that. I don't want to be a releasing uh, label. I want to actually produce music. Right. But I also didn't want to be beholden and I don't want artists beholden to me for like their career in any way. Right. So like, I didn't want to like signs anybody. I just wanted to make a record that like a lot, a live in studio record and we partner we, you come in, we partner on this one record, and then you, if you get signed to Sony the next day, fantastic, right? But well, you did a live at Guava record, right? And that, that record is full take. Um, you know, people come in, they do multiple takes sometimes, but like just one full take, right? And you have one camera, handheld, no frills, but like make, make the, make it look nice, make it look as good as it sounds. Because the problem, you know, I was addressing you know you, when people ask you oh you, oh you're starting a business what what problem are you solving right they usually they they ask you that question when they don't like your idea right so um basically uh so when so as i was trying to be prepared for you know it's like okay i i decided to do this what problem am i solving um at, you know at the time at least you didn't exist as an artist unless you had a dope video on youtube of you playing live right not like narrative music videos, as far as I'm concerned, don't really count at this point. But like they're fun. If you can make a dope one, fantastic. But if you, when a question becomes, "Hey, do you want to go see Darren and Greg play at Rockwood?" Well, the first thing I would do is go on YouTube and see, like, let me see who these guys are. Like, okay, well, I don't care about their narrative videos. Let me just let me uh, live live at rock, rock live in studio. Okay, whatever. Let me hit, click that and then I'll decide if they're worth my my eardrums, right? So basically I was like the problem was my peers and I had this problem of the content we had was either shot on a cell phone, right? You know, with you know or it had great sound but shitty video if you really were lucky, right? But if it was too loud, you're not going to get good sound. Or he had great video, somebody was shooting a DSLR crappy sound, right? For whatever reason, and even when you tried to record on the board and you paid the guy for the board audio, and then he was like, Oh, I forgot to put in the card, and it's just like it didn't, and you and you already paid for the DSLR camera, and you're like, Oh, what you know, all these different problems. I was like, Okay, if somebody comes to record with me, they can feel safe that it's gonna look good and it's gonna sound great, and that's and as long as I can keep that consistency then we 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 narrow the scope of the production to one day. Artists come in. they have to do full takes. I'm not going to edit nothing, right? But I want to be able to mix this. and I, everybody has to play um you have to actually be playing an instrument. Like nobody comes in with like a laptop and just starts going, right? So like we do we did have like a drum machine, but the drum machine playing with like you know a real electric guitar and bass or whatever. But humans playing the music, full takes um. And and in and, and, and record it in a way so that I can mix it efficiently as well. Right. So um that allows me to, to put in an, um, an amount of value that's in you know in partnership with the artist so that we are actually having sort of a, an equal partnership on this one production.
2: So, so Matt, one of the, one of the words you kept using was sustainable and And I was wondering, Matt, if you you would maybe kind of dig into like how how you know it's it seems like just right off the bat, it seems like a very ambitious goal to get a a little space in brooklyn and and record bands and and keep that going. and so how how did you financially um keep that dream going?
1: Well, so what we did is we, like I was saying, we we would have to rent the space out at night to other bands. So like it was already kind of useless time to us anyway. Because, as soon as somebody lights up a bass amp next door, I, we, we can't record our, you know, one shot acoustic acoustic ish recordings, right? Um, so we rented out the space at night. That subsidized the amount of money we were spending on the space, right? Um, but in a and then you know we we, we diversify our incomes. You know, like yeah, Parker's a, is, is Parker McAllister. If you guys. You know, Parker, right? Parker, um, he's like, you know, top call bass player in the city. Um, and so we subsidized the actual, you know, business of it. But the idea is that if we can if you can get the um if you can get the unit, the cost per unit down as far as you can, right? Then it doesn't have to actually make any money if it's almost costing you nothing to create it. Right. So if we're all doing things to bring in, uh, like, you know, our incomes, like I'm a producer, I produce all kinds of different mediums. Um, I'm, you know, doing music stuff, doing film stuff, doing tech stuff. Um, and I, but if my goal is not necessarily to make money off of records, but it's to create records consistently. And then if we do make our money, then it's equitable. Right. So um, the idea is that what I was doing is I was investing in the early careers of artists that I believe in. Right. So when, so that way, if I can invest something that it costs low capital, but high value over time, then Guava is kind of like, the, it's like a, um, it's kind of like a piggy bank in some certain regard. Like one of our artists, they recorded us with us in February right before COVID, 2020, and then uh, Linda Diaz, and then she won the Tiny Desk um, uh, competition for 2020, the COVID one, right? And you know she, so then she elevates in her status, and then people. So what what happens is is that the problem I'm trying to solve is not necessarily to make money with the stuff, but it's to, excuse me, it's it's to create quality content of value so that me and my peers can help elevate one another uh, collectively right absolutely
2: that's absolutely. beautiful so, <laughs> that's so killing
0: look, darren now dig this greg and darren so darren skimmed over this whole thing he left his company and he was dealing with jazz and lincoln center so so I, I, jazz and lincoln center just tells me already that you you're on a high level, whatever you're doing, you're doing it on the highest level to even be in that crowd. Right. But what the most more interesting thing I do want to talk about, because I think this will help every listener is you created something and then you had to let it go or you left or whatever happened. Right. You split. That's hard to do, especially when you created it. And and I know because I saw you putting the energy into it. Can we kind of you know, I don't want. We don't need details, but I just kind of want to like talk about how, when it's time to leave, you know what I mean? Because because we were talking earlier, I was telling yeah, you I, I mean, I've been fired from every band. At some point, it's time to roll out. How do you handle I, that?
1: Uh, well, you know, it's I. Every crisis is an opportunity, right? Um, so in there's a in the Chinese dialect, there's the word for crisis and opportunity both have the character that would equate to the concept of chance right so and I had a student of mine try to clarify this to me because like when I was, took a sociology class in 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 um at f s u my senior year, teacher put up a board on the board the word for opportunity in in a chinese dialect and and um and I was like, "You know, I looked it up later, like over the years, and it's like, well, it's not exactly. So my I had one of my students at FSU clarify this for me so but the the cultural like um perspective from the way he described it to me is that opportunity and crisis are one and the same, right? so um, I also like reread that section. I had already read the Steve Jobs biography twice, so like I I went back to that one section when he left his company, when he split the first time. And um and it basically just, you know, there were certain things that I like I had to like um well, I, here's what I would say. I for 10 years that I ran that that first company, I never considered myself an entrepreneur. Everybody I just had a stigma against that term, right? I was kind of I kind of I kind of grew up with the the wrong perspective of what that word meant. For good reason, just it was, a, it was not, uh, in my, for my age group, it wasn't a, an attractive term. But basically, um, when I, the, the moment I left that company, uh, my friend said to Oliver Watkinson at three o'clock in the morning before I got on a plane about two hours later, he was like, man, you should start a record label. And I was like, you're right. Because where I was going with 2D. I was hoping to. I was trying to position it to become more of a record functioning record label. So Oliver was like, "Man, you should start. You're right." And I was like, "Damn it! I guess I'm an entrepreneur, (laughs) right?" So like, because because if I literally decide to start another venture the day I leave the first one after ten years, fine. I guess you can label me this if you need to. You know what I'm saying?
2: What's what's the negative uh, stigma with the word entrepreneur? If you don't mind me asking. It's an
1: ignorant one, but you know, uh, st- you know, you think, who do you think CEO entrepreneur, you know, CEO Jeffrey, entrepreneur.
2: Right, right? <laughs> so like, Jeffrey. so,
1: um, you know, I, I remember I was like about 28, 29 and I was hanging with somebody that was like 21, 22. And I was making, I was describing something I did where I was like, I didn't take no for an answer when it's, when somebody didn't um, give me like permission to do something at a school or a business thing. And she was like, Of course you do that. This is totally like what an entrepreneur would do. Right. When I was 21, 22, I didn't even know what that word meant at all. Right. So, like, what I'm saying is like, I think Zuckerberg and like, you know, brought the concept of entrepreneurship into the forefront in in good and bad ways, but basically just the concept of it was like you just thought business capitalism, right? Whereas when I by the time I started teaching entrepreneurship, it, <laughs> I had students coming to the to the staff and the faculty and being like, is Darren an anti-capitalist? Because <laughs> if he's an anti-capitalist and entrepreneur, can I want to how can I be entrepreneur? Right. Like can't compute. So like, you know, so they, so this student kind of outed me as like, you know, the resident, the new entrepreneur in residence is an anti-capitalist. So, so the idea being that I, I stigmatized entrepreneurship with capitalism and that was like an unevolved, not like not fully formed uh, perspective on, what entrepreneurship means. Entrepreneurship, if you look in the dictionary, means to undertake an ende- endeavor. Right? So it means like, okay, I, I have identified a problem. I'm going to undertake the solution, the venture that it takes to solve this problem. If that involves capital to, in order for it to be sustainable, so be it. We must deal with that so, and deal with the cognitive dissonance involved to accept the fact that we're going to use capital to get people to do things, which is a loaded concept.
0: Yeah. You know, people, people scared of money, man. Just because money is involved don't mean it's evil And the word entrepreneurship or entrepreneur isn't inherently evil. But if you give me Jeff Bezos money, I might be evil. Y'all That's sh- it's already in me. I can tell I might use my power for you. I'm just, I'm just being honest about it now. All right, Greg. So don't don't call me when I get come a billionaire. I'm just going to hang up the phone. That's that's what I'm going to do, man. I just got to <laughs> tell everybody that. Mama, don't call me.
2: I'm hanging up. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, so, you know, it's funny because like, so you're teaching a, a, actually an entrepreneur class at, at FSU these days, right? Mm-hmm. yeah so, so how do you I, th- I think like you know again Darian and I both kind of come from the jazz community and I think there is like kind of a, a built-in stigma towards entrepreneurship and jazz and and entrepreneurship in the arts and so how I, I would assume that would be like some one of the first things that you kind of deal with in your class but but how, how do you overcome that 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 like in convincing other people not to uh fall into that trap themselves so it's interesting. I get I get two types of students.
1: I teach one music entrepreneurship class. and I teach film entrepreneurship for film students. Um, and the music one is in a different college. It's in the Jim Moran College of Entrepreneurship. And that one, if you're a music student, you could take it. If you're a hospitality student, you could take it. If you're a business student, take it. You just have to t- have taken... Intro to Entrepreneurship. So, in other words, you're already ready to learn what this is, right? So, when you see music entrepreneurship on the on the bulletin, you're like, "I'm signing up for that." Boom, right? So, I don't I don't really have too many people like that have the stigma about entrepreneurship in that class, right? I have musicians that are like, there's a very few out of this, you know, FSU College of Music is 1,200 people, but we have uh, you know, so we have a certain number of students that come to take this class outside of the College of Music, which is great. But, and then the film students though that's a conservative it's a conservatory model it's not actually a conservatory but it's it's a very tight um uh, smaller college and they are there to learn film and and that, that's what they signed up for so they they're a little bit more resistant sometimes so the to answer your question is i start with them in their first year so the bfas i get them the first semester they're they're mine so i get to indoctrinate them from the beginning and then the mfas uh, the following semester. But what I do is I kind of trick them. I, I have a class called Functional Filmmaking, right? And through Functional Filmmaking, I teach the art of entrepreneurship within different types of creators that use film as a medium. So I start with Celia Ralston Hall, right? So Celia Ralston Hall is a cho- choreographer, filmmaker, um, performer. And we look at her career from her earlier works through she made it one film for fifty bucks. It was fantastic. It's three and a half minutes. Called the audition. Highly recommend everybody check that out. And that got Vimeo staff picked when it came out. I want to say it was twenty fourteen or something like that. Uh, twenty thirteen, maybe, maybe earlier. I don't know. And then, then she built a, a you know a, a niche audience. She then created a Kickstarter for a feature film. Where she raised fifty thousand dollars to make this movie called Ma, which is a fantastic film. Uh, it's a silent film. It's amazing, and and since then she's basically been in demand for for uh, all kinds of different projects. She she's uh, a true, uh, you know. Now she's becoming. She's been working in um, permaculture and um, all kinds of different things. So like she. Um, The the what I do is I I give we study we we look at the the careers of creators and how they started out functioning as entrepreneurs whether or not they identified as one and we also and of course our uh you know kind of like a big brother to me uh well when I was in film school Barry Jenkins he's a graduate of the FSU film school so we look at his student work we look at how he then created an independent project and then became you know, uh Barry Jenkins, the you know, uh, Oscar-winning films, right? So the idea is watching the 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 trajectory of artists. I can, basically, you you tell me an artist, a musician, whoever, and I can, for the most part, try to find a, th- a thread of their entrepreneurship mindset from creating smaller works leading to bigger ones, you know? So that's the kind of general concept.
0: Yeah, bro, you know, I, it, first of all, I wanna applaud y'all over there at that university for giving people the entire education. Cause uh, Greg knows this, I get on here and I'll be like, don't go to college, it's a waste of time. But if you're gonna learn what you're teaching, go to college, and it, but otherwise don't. And that's just, you know, it's not for fucking music. That's dumb. Like. <laughs> Don't pay nobody to teach you to play your horn. It's stupid. And I, I realize y'all can both of y'all work for university. So y'all can't um, say anything right now, but I'll say it for you. Don't do it y'all. But um, Darren, I, I want to move on to this, to this app that, that you just, that you guys created. Uh, I'm not sure who's all on your team.
1: Maybe you created it by yourself. Definitely not. Okay. Um. <laughs> um so we, we, so we were talking about, Two D Dynamics earlier. This company I started depends on when you started counting, but I started working on it in 2006, in earnest, and um, and by and around 2016, I, I split from the company. I kept working freelance with them. One of Two D's biggest partners and clients is Jazz at Lincoln Center, so I still free. I still worked as the producer for the projects we did at Jazz at Lincoln Center. Um, but about right before shortly before I left, we um, we we took a version of what we were creating and um, we created an audio only version of it so the 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 2d dynamic software was an audio and video platform interactive video interactive audio you can select who you want to see and when so, you know isolate the instruments mix it, pan it, s- slow it down, loop it, cheat music, everything right and in terms of business, though, in truth, it wasn't as sustainable because it was so expensive to create so many so much content that would work on this system. It was too complex in a certain regard. So, what we what we decided was, um, how can we like boil this down so that it would become a better business model? And at the same time, uh, Christian Scott was looking for somebody to. Help him create something that he had, something similar in his mind, and so we were, we it was like the timing was perfect. So we met at a coffee shop. We, you know, we talked about what our plans were, and he talked about his his plans. So we created the first of these of these audio only versions of 2D uh, called Stretch Music. So it was his album Stretch Music, and um and that was the first official release as of the 2D music player as an audio only version, right? And it's a standalone app as opposed to like a single portal where you have to download a library and do all kinds of other things. And then um, we, I, we were planning to then open it up so that we had more, you know, replicate that release with different artists and have that become the new standard for how to release your album as an app. Of course, I split from the company. Then after a few years of kind of doing some freelance stuff along with them... It was time for them to sunset the uh, the the platform because they didn't want to keep paying for the what it took to keep it up. So uh, the, the the code kind of got old and you know it still still works, but it got a little clunk- clunky. And um, eventually, I reacquired the the intellectual property to this to this platform. And uh, last year, and then we created uh, a new a new platform called Mixstem. So M Y X S T E M Mixstem. So it's a system for mixing stems. And what you do is you, you load up your stems um, into into our system, you send them over to us, we we p- wrap it up, we package it as an offering to native on the app stores for Android and iOS. And you basically say, Okay, you know, if you guys have a record, you know, you know, Daring and the Cool Kids, and you guys have your like album, like Greg's The Life of the Party, right? So I love like, it. <laughs> um, and so you basically make a mixed them app, a mix them app that in so so that way when you're ready to release this amazing record that you made, you're gonna do it vinyl, you're gonna do make make your t-shirts, you can do your streaming release, you can do your Bandcamp, and you're also gonna make a mix them, right? And that way people can download download tracks, they can they can mix the music. They can loop different sections and then they can they can mute out Darian's drum set and play along with the band and then, you know, share that with their friends and whatnot. So so that's the uh, that's the long and that's the long and the long of it,
2: I think. <laughs> that's crazy. So, so you guys, you all are providing the service to create apps for c- CD releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is the app, uh, do you have like all of the CDs listed through your app or how exactly does that work? Well we, we have links we have links to where you can get
1: the library of the rest. but what but the app itself, what's the beauty of it, it's kind of counterintuitive, is that it's its own app, right? So instead of like down you know, going in and like shopping for different records within a library of like a, you know it had, lots of different apps did that. The old 2D music player did that. We had a library and you make in-app purchases. But then you you're like entering in credit cards and you have to like call out to another server, What's beautiful about this is that it's like you would have like, you know, if you get, if we were able to get catalog music, right? We get Nirvana's Nevermind. That would be one mixed to Map. Or you get Nirvana in utero. That would be a mixed to Map, right? They'd be next to each other, right? So um, that way you can offload them one by one and Apple, you know, Google servers are serving it up to you. But the idea is that, um, yeah, you, if you were to go in and just type in Mix them you'll be able to see all the different apps like on on the app store, right? So, Are you guys, are
2: you all working to get like a catalog of things like Nirvana or are you just working with like freelance artists and things like that? Is that the goal? (laughs) Uh, I mean,
1: we want to make a standard, right? So like, um, so of course, Nirvana would be a miracle, you know, like a a wonderful thing to aspire to. But the idea is that, um, yeah, we've we're working with different folks to look at catalog work and also to um to for artists today you know like that are that have that have their stems ready to go and you know it makes sense for us to work work together you know so it's it's every we want to make the standard so that when you're ready to make a record you got your streaming you got your physical your 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 physical merch and you got your digital merch which is you know in part your mix the maps you know yeah I, th- I think the unique thing about this, Greg, is that even if he
0: lands Beyonce, right, and Beyonce puts five of her records on there, she he can also say, okay, you kid just out of college who made your record, this can be something that you can take on a road with you because no one's buying CDs. But if it's some kids or some people at your concert who play music, they might want to buy this record like this. Because then they can, you know, you know, super fans, they just love you so much and they want to learn all the parts and slow, like, just like your fans, Greg on Instagram, they're, they're all learning Greg solos on Instagram, bro. Check them out. And you, you know what I mean? Like those people can buy
2: your mix stem and play along with me on your record and turn you down. Yeah. Hey, hey, Darren, how does that work with like creating like derivative works and things like that? Is the, is the point to create like a derivative work and, and can you use it yourself or is it more like to play along and like learn the, the record?
1: today it's today it's it's play along and like you know if you, it depends on you know what you think the artists wishes are if you feel like you're going to record and create new derivatives but we are we are planning to incorporate new features next year where uh, as the artist opts in not every artist may want this but if the artist opts in then you can enable that record button enable that webcam and then you know you record yourself playing along, and then you share that on TikTok, and you go viral, and then yeah, that's, that's how you make a million dollars. Wow, that's dope.
2: I love it. <laughs> bro, that's 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 I really it, amazing, man. And you know, like to me, I you know again like which goes to the value of like arts education, creativity. You know, like like. It doesn't just stop at guitar or drums or like songwriting and things like this. You know, all this creativity extends out to, to the the real world, like creating apps and you know whatever it else we, we 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 try to do, man. And it's, it's man, it's a, a, super cool to see that whole that whole thing manifest into something outside of music. Man,
0: I'm sitting here thinking, and I'm like, yo, this if, if I taught at a university, then I would make my mixed stem mandatory. I would say, okay, everybody here has to buy my method book and my mixed stem. Because like you, that's powerful, man. And not even trying to make money, but it's just like, if you want to be good, you got to learn how to play with the cats that I play with. And I think that, you know, like when you're young, you're trying to learn- There's to no play.
1: substitute for, for playing along with the best yeah. in the world. Yes, so there isn't. That's that's the first thing I discovered when I got to New Orleans. Yeah. Like there's no substitute for actually playing along with this person. It's not, bro. This is this is dope, man. I think I think it's gonna be huge.
2: Yeah. Yo, Derek, do you do the coding yourself or how, how involved absolutely nothing? not? No, definitely <laughs> not. Uh,
1: I I I decided in eight, like, I don't know. The minute I learned what coding was, I decided I was not gonna make that my mm-hmm. career. And also three-dimensional animation, those two things I was like, that's my I'm going to nope on those so, things, and I did that when I was so a teenager. as a, as a, as a creative,
2: so, like who, someone who's like you know I, has a wonderful idea, like yourself, and is looking to get into like a space of creating an app or some other medium, maybe that you're not so familiar with, like the technical details on how to execute. Like, how how do you go about building a team and 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 making that dream come true? Well, let me just say, I wish I did learn
1: to code, but I also am glad I didn't. If that makes any sense. Right. In other words, um, I can see where the reason why I decided I would not code and I would not do 3D animation is because I knew that that was a rabbit hole that I might go down and only code, and not necessarily make my own products, right? Or I would only do a 3D animation and not necessarily tell my own stories, right? So I, that, but that's not to say that you shouldn't do that. Like, I know how to do a lot of things outside of music that aren't, um, you know, that that I can can become rabbit holes lucrative rabbit holes right but rabbit holes nonetheless so my thing was i just asked questions i was like i had this idea i thought it was a non so i had this idea and you just need to go and find people like who can help who helps people start non and actually there was a a waiter at snug harbor that i saw her picture in uh 40 under 40 from the gambit and she she was Notable because she was working in a nonprofit to help people start businesses, right? So I was like, yo, hey, uh, can you help me with this thing? And then I went to her office to her nonprofit that she worked for. And um, but then I met the president of the Louisiana Association for Nonprofit Organizations. And she's like, You need to get out of my office because there's too much potential for profit. Huh. I was like, okay, fine. She's like, you need to go to like an incubator, right? So my friend went and found me a a program called the from Allen Houston. You all know Allen Houston is the basketball player. Yep, absolutely. Um, He had he had an entrepreneurship development program that was in Central City, and um, I I applied for it. So for three hours, twice a week, I would leave music school, drive down to South Central City, take these like very fundamental business classes: how to write a business plan. Whether or not you, the program was whether or not you had a GED or a master's degree, you can come into this and like learn how to build a small business, right? So I learned the basics, just like, okay, I guess I got to learn how to do this, right? And then the, once I finished that, I went into the Idea Village. And the Idea Village, they provided a small grant for professional services to be spent on local professionals. And uh, our boy, Adam Ballard, was a coder right? He, he, I went to school with him at UNO, amazing guitar player. And, but he, he knew how to write code. And he, I was like, hey, can you write the prototype for my software? So we made, So one of the things I was challenged to do was to create an MV, what do they call an MVP. In other words, you need to make something so small but attainable, and you just need to sell one copy of it. You just need to get one person to give you $1 for it, and then prove that you can make something of value, right? So we created this thing called Super Looper. So it was the first, it was like the first year of the app store. And um, we made what I think was the first app to come out of New Orleans from a company, um, like an official startup um, called Super Looper. It took it, you know, back then you had an iPod library. So you take a song out of your iPod library and then you loop in and out and you could go down to the hundreds of a second and get a perfect loop so that you can transcribe your thing for class. So like, after I left UNO the next year, uh, our boy Lequay brought in his iPhone with the Super Looper app and would do a uh, transcription using like just that one chorus that he transcribed, right? So that proved that helped me prove my traction, prove that to people with more money, more resources that I wasn't like, you know, bullshitting around, right? So the idea from there was okay, I make an MVP, then you got then you go and look for more resources and ask more, where's the next, where's the next. And you find people to help you. And, you know, I learned the lesson of ask for help. Right. And you look, you gotta, if you, and my first boss in Miami, he said, if you want to do anything, you got to be an expert at everything. Right. So I had to, while I didn't write code myself, I did a lot of 2d animation and different uh, process system design uh, for post production and music and in film. So I understood how to think linearly. So what I what I did develop through this process was basically how to project manage, how to understand what a coder is up against, um, so that like I can make sure we use time wisely and don't go in the wrong directions too much, and prototype, test, iterate, all these different things. So anyway, I, this is, again, a long answer to a short question, but um, I would just say ask questions, and like at this point, there isn't really an excuse to not at least know about something. Whether or not you know everything about it, you should at least be able to find a way to get a bird's eye view of all the different things that will go into what it takes for you to do the thing you want to do. You know,
2: and I love the idea of like just building something small to prove that you can get some traction. Then you're moving up the ladder from that point. Hundred hey, percent. That's me and me and Greg been
0: doing that for the last almost six years. With, with when this is this ladder night. gonna end? <laughs> second, <laughs> second line arts collective, bro. But listen, Darren, man, uh, I want to play. I, you know, speaking of your app, I want to play one of the songs from your app. And cats can um, they? They can go get the app now if they have an iOS device. Yeah. No.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just um, search on the App Store, Uncle Nef, N E F. Uncle Nef Originals is the name of the app. Um, and there's two mixes. There's two remixes on that uh, at the at the end of them that aren't released on Spotify and Apple. Those are remixed by. Uh, the great charles burchell or black samurai if you will so oh, man. um keep charles, near
2: the family i love that.
1: yeah
0: charles we, charles charles was on the show he's been on the show i think he was on it before great is he still Germany, out in, but, in uh, italy yeah he's, he, still uh, he's out very there, much in Italy, yeah. yeah yeah so let's let's dig this one this is called that was that uncle neff right here coming at you more than just my name
2: Oh yes you are Our love is strong, But this is over just the same Oh yes it is This and that that. Call it what you will This and that Ain't nothing but a thrill Yeah This is done, babe Go find another man to kill That was that Oh, yeah
0: Come on, son I don't want to give them too much of it, Darren. I don't want to give them too much of it. They got to go download their app. You can play along with Uncle Neff, Shannon Powell, the great Shannon Powell, King of me and uh, Mr. Darren Hoffman. Darren, you need to get you a stage name, bro. We got we got to come up with you a stage name. Bro.
1: The Mighty Hoff. <laughs> <laughs> but Shannon calls me the Hoff.
0: That's Shannon uh, and her. The line. Hoff? All right. I'm with uh, Hoff. it. Hoff. Just Hoff. A Hoff. Okay. Okay. I'm with it. Look, man, we we coming up on time, y'all. But before we go, I do want to give you Darren an opportunity to uh, tell everybody how to connect with you and how to buy all your products. Well, it's funny. I'm,
1: you know, I I, I was just before we started this, I was thinking, do I need to do I need to let the alter ego come out more and rebrand or whatever? I, I just watched a film from St. Vincent. Uh, y'all, St. Vincent fans. Um, she she had a, she had a film called No Nowhere In. She's actually playing tomorrow night. I'm gonna see her at a uh, radio City music hall. Oh cool. but she has the film itself is about that alter ego. That said, when Twitter started, I was like, you know what? I am just gonna put my real name and just own it. <laughs> so for better or worse, I can't hide behind a, an alter ego. So whatever I you know whatever I do in my life, my name is gonna be attached to it. So I just I've decided to just go with that that road. So my name is Darren Hoffman it's at darren hoffman that's my instagram darren hoffman.org not.com.org <laughs> um and uh so darren hoffman.org is where you know you can get and then my instagram has links to all the all the different projects so get at me fam yeah <laughs>
0: all right y'all get that's at beautiful. get at darren just search search him on instagram darren hoffman d-a-r-r-e-n and then uh you know how to spell hoffman so but yeah, H O
1: F F M A
2: N. One. Darren, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure getting a chance to talk to you and, and hear more about you know the inner workings of, of uh, the Hoff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: man, thank you guys for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely, y'all. My name is Darian Douglas.
2: Gregory.
0: And this is the Working Artist Project. We'll catch y'all later. Peace.